What's up and welcome to Crossover Wednesdays. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. We are the hosts of Locked on Bucks, being joined by Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints, and we are here to preview the Buccaneers and the Saints for week one of the NFL season. That's right, the NFL is finally back. Make sure that you're following us on Twitter at Locked on Bucks, at Locked on Saints, at Jayarko underscore Bucks, at Ross Jackson ASC, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Gentlemen, the time has arrived. Very excited to get the NFL season underway, even if it is with Ryan Fitzmagic under center. And I think for the Buccaneers, that's going to be the biggest storyline is the fact that Jameis Winston is out. How is Ryan Fitzpatrick going to respond? How is he going to perform against a very, very talented New Orleans Saints defense? And can he manage the game well enough to keep the Buccaneers in it? It's going to be on the defense to try to control Drew Brees, that new front yeah, that, that new defensive line for the Buccaneers that has had a complete overhaul. You know, can the corners contain Michael Thomas a little bit? Can they contain Alvin Kamara? It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough, tough road to sled for the Buccaneers. But you know, Ross, you're you cover the Saints for for the locked on Saints and all SaintsConsidered.com. You know, what what's kind of the the major thing that you're looking at from a Saints perspective? Well, I got to tell you, uh, first of all, glad to be able to do this crossover with y'all. I love having this big family, this big network to uh, to sort of you know get to collaborate on and everything. And I'm glad that we get to do this two times a year every year, too. So that's that's yeah. something I'm looking forward to. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, the major storyline for us over in New Orleans right now is doesn't really I mean, like in terms of major storyline, we're talking about the Teddy Bridgewater trade, getting Teddy Bridgewater uh, over from the New York Jets for a third round pick. And they they also sent us a sixth. So that's kind of like the big storyline for us. And like everyone in New Orleans is still sort of like flying high because of that. Uh, But, you know, whether or not that has an impact on our game, my fingers are crossed that that has absolutely no impact on the week one game. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) because the last thing I want to do is see as much as I love that we have Teddy Bridgewater. I sure don't want to see him on the field uh, this season, if at all possible. Uh, But moving into this game, you know, a big thing for us throughout the preseason right now is while we were watching the Saints, there was a lot of sloppy uh, wide receiver play. Sean Payton commented on it, specifically used that word sloppy. Outside of Michael Thomas and uh, Traquan Smith, Teddy, uh, I'm sorry, Ted Ginn Jr., who like lived his best life in New Orleans last year. Uh, Cameron Meredith, who's hoping to live his best life in New Orleans this year, uh, coming off of his ACL tear that ended his season early with the Bucks last year and then led to his subsequent release off of the uh, restricted free agency tender. Outside of, uh, of Michael Thomas and Traquan Smith, there wasn't that much promising play. There was a lot of confusion when it came to, you know, to lining up. Cameron Meredith had a drop that ended up going for an interception in the Cardinals game that just set off a horrible night for Taysom Hill when he had his four turnover game. Uh, well, four. Let me sorry, four turnover half. Let me let me clarify that. Uh, so the big, <laughs> so the big thing, yeah. So we got like five pick Peterman over in Buffalo. We got four turnover Taysom uh, in New Orleans right now. Uh, but it's it's just one of those things where now that we're in the midst of the game plan and running the scheme and seeing how that affects 
what was at, you know during the preseason sloppy wide receiver play and uh you know you you guys uh, the the bucks now have one of the former saints players over there now uh Devontae harris who has mm-hmm. played against these wide receivers for the last two years uh so he's got a little bit of knowledge of what the saints like to do and everything like that you know Devontae harris is a great locker room guy. He's an extremely loyal teammate. He's amazing in every aspect but what he brought to the field in the black and gold. So he might be a better fit over in Tampa Bay. Uh, but if not, I mean, if he ends up being one of those top guys, whether he's guarding, you know, it, really anybody in that what is perceived to be a loaded Saints wide receiver core, um, he might get some targets. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. I would say... Uh... Uh, Devonte Harris was probably one of the more surprise members of the initial 53 man roster. As far as mm-hmm. the depth chart is concerned, he's looking at number five, number six. Yeah. He's the, he's at the okay. bottom of the barrel and it's, it's not going to surprise me one bit. If, if they let him go after this week, it might be one of those things that they, they want the Intel and then they can cut bait or they might hold on to him for a few weeks and he might be the guy that gets released to make the roster spot to bring Jameis back on who's on the, the right. suspended list so he doesn't count against the 53-man. Um, but yeah, as, as far as containing those receivers, you still have Brent Grimes who still is vastly underrated as a corner. I think he's going to be the one responsible for trying, and I emphasize the word trying, to contain Michael mm-hmm. Thomas, who is one of the NFL's top receivers. And then Vernon Hargraves throughout preseason has looked good. He's looked improved. Um, Last season, he was giving up these 10, 15-yard cushions to these receivers and just getting completely annihilated. And then the Buccaneers spent two second-round picks on corners. They got MJ Stewart out of North Carolina. They got Carlton Davis out Mm -hmm. of Auburn. Both have been incredibly impressive throughout training camp, rookie minicamp, preseason, OTAs, all of it. So a lot of Buccaneers fans are really excited about what those guys bring to the table. But, I mean, as long as number nine is under center, and I've I've said it for quite a few years, even those years that the Saints struggled, you you can never count them out. They can outshoot just about anyone. And, And it's funny, we're both dealing with significant suspensions here. I would say the Buccaneers... Mm -hmm suspensions a little more significant than the saints with them missing Mark Ingram, because Alvin Kamara is just, he's a phenomenal running back. He's dangerous in the, in the receiving game. So it's going to be really important for those linebackers, Levante, David, Quan Alexander, uh, Adarius Taylor to be able to contain him or try to contain him. Gerald McCoy with one of the best get offs in the NFL, as far as defensive linemen are concerned, he's going to have to break through that offensive line with the quickness to try to blow up Kamara's spot and take him off his game a little bit, blow up these plays and allow the other defensive linemen to converge on Drew Brees. It's, it's going to be a serious chess game because the Buccaneers are not going to be in a situation where they can overcome a 10, 14, 17 point deficit with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's a big thing for us, too. I mean, look, this is I I love the fact that you said chess game, because that's really what this is going to be for both sides of the ball. I think that Tampa Bay is severely underestimated, specifically when it comes to uh, the national uh, coverage of the team. I think that they're severely underestimated. I've been saying that since I've been doing uh, every Tuesday I do. Uh, NFC South power rankings. And I was looking through all of the national media power rankings. And every time I was looking at Tampa Bay at number 32 in the league, Tampa Bay at 29 in the league and everything. And all of that is off of 
the assumption that, uh, or not the assumption, but all of that is off of the consideration that Jameis Winston is not going to be the quarterback for the first four weeks. Of course, uh, power rankings change week by week and everything like that. So that's being taken into consideration. But I don't see the Bucks as a bottom of the barrel type of a team. And I think that that's because I watch, you know, I, the Saints, the Saints play the Bucks twice a year. So I get to see a little bit more of the Bucks than the national folks might uh, on a, on a daily or on a weekly basis or on a yearly basis. Uh, I think that the front seven that it, it has been compiled over there uh, is incredible uh, or can be incredible. I think, you know, I think you had mentioned that, you know, uh, having uh, a player with 10 or more or double digit sacks is something that you would be welcoming uh, and certainly, you know, <laughs> salivating for this coming season and everything. Uh, and so, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is like, I don't, I'm not trying to see the saints contribute to that. Like that's just the reality of it. And right now, uh, you, you know, today um, we, the, the saints uh, released uh, now converted to fullback Trey Edmonds, and we and, and they picked up um, Josh Laribas, who's sort of a swing offensive lineman, can play multiple positions in the offensive line. But Andrus Pete, our starting left guard, left the fourth preseason game with an injury that you know we haven't heard much about, which is very much Sean Payton. That's very much the Saints front office. That whenever there's an injury, it's all quiet on the home front, and there's no updates until they're absolutely necessary. Uh, so now we're there's sort of uh, an air of concern about oh, is our offensive line going to be a little weak coming in, being tested by this defensive line that's honestly looking to prove something. I mean, as everyone is week one, and I think that a big part of that too is uh, incorporated within this Mark Ing- uh, Mark Ingram suspension. This is the first time since we've had, you know, since we found the duo of Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara in week four in London of last year, this is the first time that we're going to see them not in the game together, uh, with the exception of that Atlanta game, the Thursday night game, which was essentially a body bag game for us. We had mad injuries that game. Um, And that did not go over well for us, not being able to get the ball in Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram's hands, Alvin Kamara's specifically. So it might not be that big. I mean, we we just signed uh, Mike uh, Mike Gillisley out of Gillisley out of um, out of New England, and then sent Jonathan Williams, who looked to be the front runner, to take the Mark Ingram touches packing, and then somehow convinced them to come back to be on our on our practice squad. I don't know how they pulled that off, but they did. Uh, so that's going to be sort of a new element that we're going to have to figure out we have to see how you know how that works and unfortunately we have to see what this new backfield looks like against a really potentially very stout front seven yeah and ross you know i'm I'm happy to hear you say that the buccaneers are being underrated because we've we've been saying that a little bit here and there and we haven't really harped on too much because obviously if we go in on national media or you know other fan bases for underestimating the buccaneers i mean what's everybody say well we're a bucks podcast so of course we're gonna Mm -hmm. say that but uh i mean James shared something with me just today uh, from a website predicting the Buccaneers have the number one overall pick next year. Like, uh, unless a whole lot of <laughs> wheels fall off of this team, that's that's not going to happen. And, and, and you know, we all know the Buccaneers had a top ten draft pick coming in to the draft this year. But, again, the reason that the, the staff was retained as much as they were and the general manager was retained as much as he was is because everybody knows that this roster is a lot more talented than their final record. And, and we on the Lockdown Bucks bent over – how many close games the Bucs lost last year. And and if you've been watching the NFL, not you specifically, but our listeners, if, we, if you've been watching the NFL for longer than the season, you understand that these one-score wins can become one-score losses in, in the snap of a finger. So I'm glad right. to hear you say that because obviously I, I support that and agree. Um, and I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of maybe get ahead of what we're, what we're talking about right now, but 
you know, when I when I look at the Buccaneers defense, right, we talk about Michael Thomas, and James knows this, and he's heard me ad nauseum talk about Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas was, was my favorite receiver uh, coming out the year he came out of Ohio State, not only because I'm a Buckeyes fan. Um, and um, <laughs> so I, for one, am not surprised at all to see Michael Thomas become the player that he has become. And I honestly, I don't know if, if Brent Grimes is the most suited to cover Michael Thomas. And, and I almost wonder mm-hmm. – if uh, a guy with the mentality more like a Carlton Davis or one of these young guys who's kind of hungry and wants to kind of fight and is willing to kind of get in there and go blow for blow because Brent Grimes is, is the kind of guy who wins. I'm not saying he's not physical, right? But he wins more with his mind and his technique than he does with physicality. Mm-hmm. Whereas these younger guys are going to be a little bit more willing. They might be a little bit more intimidated as well, but they're going to be a little bit more willing to kind of get in there and scrap it out with Michael Thomas. And, and Michael Thomas is the kind of receiver going back to his college days where you've got to find a way to get him off his line. You've got to get him off his stem, get right. him off off schedule, and that's really the only way you're going to beat him. If you try to play technique to technique with him, he's still going to come down with six, seven, eight catches, you know, and, and at that point, you know, you can't guard Mike, but you can only hope to contain him, right? Um, right, so, right. Well, that's, I don't know. I, yeah, and I'm that's trying a... to look forward to oh, ahead, one of these young guys. Maybe Isaiah, John, uh, Isaiah Johnson uh, maybe hit him in the mouth a couple times. Yeah, I think the only thing that the that the younger guys over there, I mean, yes, you're absolutely right. You have to be, you got to be willing to be gritty. You got to be willing to be physical. You got to get tangled up with Michael Thomas in order to have a chance with him. Because as you said, some people have some trouble. He can't be guarded sometimes, I hear. Uh, and so he, and the other part of it that makes it hard is that, you know, your younger guys that are over there in Tampa Bay are definitely going to be willing to be physical, are definitely going to be willing to be gritty. But the only thing is that Michael Thomas has such an expansive route tree that mm-hmm. you can't prepare for just three or four routes against him. You have to prepare for essentially the entire route tree against him, which is just insane. There's only a few receivers out in the league that are that are able you know that have that selection uh, I think Jalen Ramsey talked about that once I think it was during the Pro Bowl during the mic'd up Pro Bowl stuff where he mm-hmm. was talking about um, Antonio Brown uh, and I think maybe Odell perhaps or maybe it was Julio uh, and then you know and, and Michael Thomas enters that conversation though he didn't mention him specifically as receivers that have a fully expanded route tree at their disposal and at the offense's disposal. And then you had mentioned before with Drew Brees under center, there's no limitation in terms of what they're able to do. And the other part about Michael Thomas beyond his physicality, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying not to get to my, my usual place, by the way. Of, oh, let's just talk about Michael Thomas for six hours. But I do <laughs> want to say this, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, beyond his physicality, his crossing speed over the middle of the field is severely underestimated. You saw that in the playoff game against uh, Xavier, against Xavier Rhodes, where he left Xavier Rhodes behind, I don't want to say like burnt toast, but he was definitely like a little bit of a scorched bagel. I'll say it that way. Uh, <laughs> <Like> that. <laughs> it, it was just, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, like, look, I, I'm looking forward to this game. I'm looking forward to going into it. You know, uh, we talked about the, the Mark Ingram suspension is going to be a factor. Uh, the Teddy Bridgewater thing is exciting for New Orleans and it's lit a fire in New Orleans that I think is, is hungry. They know that I think that the city is hungry about uh, knowing that, you know, okay, great. Now we can really go out there and play. Uh, because we're, we're we're in a good position for the future. Um, and then the other part about it is, uh, you know, look, the Saints haven't won an opening an opening week game since 2013. So this that's another one just sort of like you were talking about with the 10-digit sacks is long overdue. This one right now is here. here. <laughs> this one's long overdue for us too. Uh, so, you know, I think that it's, I think that we can walk out with a win. I don't know that I agree. I think that the, um, the, uh, 
the forecast or whatever, the the bet line is uh, their favorite at nine and a half points. But of course, like I'm not a betting guy and I'm not the person that you should ask about any of that. You know, I'm not I'm not that guy, but I don't know that we're we should be favored by that much against this defensive against this defensive squad. Well, yeah, I mean, nine and a half points are a lot. And then you got the over under of 49 and a half, which to me isn't mm-hmm. incredibly crazy. I'm not much of a betting man, but there are listeners that are betting men and women and they should go visit our friends over at my bookie because the truth is i don't know who's going to win ross you don't know who's going to win david doesn't know who's going to win but if our listeners think that they know then they need to check out my bookie remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with that's why i always tell people to bet with my bookie trust me they are your best bet this season they've been in business for years have great reviews online and their mobile site is easy to use lay down some cash and win big today We would only recommend a service to our listeners that have been good to us. And that's why we urge people to make their way over to MyBookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. for, And for you fantasy guys, you can bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Spoiler alert, probably want to bet the over on Michael Thomas. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. All you have to do is use a promo code locked on to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N when creating your account to claim your bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. And I got to say, uh, when it comes to that fantasy, being able to bet on those fantasy points, I'm not trying to put my bank account out there for nobody, but I'm just saying it's really nice. <laughs> it's a really nice feature. <laughs> it's a very nice feature. <laughs> it, ta- it takes like DFS to a whole new level. Oh, my God. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, all right. I'm not going to I don't want to I don't want to spoil too much, but I'm just saying that that's a that is a that is a great feature right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to going to play with that a little bit just because I'm intrigued. I'm one of those people. I'll throw ten dollars in, in the pot. And once I'm out, I'm out like I'm not going to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Re-upping, but I'll just see how long I can make ten dollars. I mean, I threw ten dollars in in one of those DFS sites, no free ads. And mm-hmm. that ten dollars lasted me all season. So yeah. I would get down to like a dollar left and then I would win 15. And so then I would, I would slowly go all the way back down to one. Then I'd win 30. <laughs> that was, that was fun. That's a good year right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, back, back to the game. Um, yeah. I've, I've kind of mentioned that, that I believe the key for the Buccaneers is going to be on the defensive side of the ball, not putting too much pressure on Ryan Fitzpatrick, not putting too much pressure on Ronald Jones, who has struggled throughout, um, you know, training camp and in preseason. Um, David had a, a bold prediction on our show yesterday that undrafted rookie Sean Wilson is going to get 10 offensive touches. Um, he might touch the ball more than Ronald Jones does, to be honest, because he has looked better. But you have Peyton Barber now who has stepped in, stepped up, and looks like a legitimate bona fide starting NFL running back. He runs hard. He's not afraid of contact. And one of my favorite things about him is that when he gets hit, he falls forward. He gets you that extra mm-hmm. one, one and a half yards. And they're going to have to rely on him a lot. The best 
offense for the Buccaneers is the defense being able to contain Drew Brees with that front line of Gerald McCoy and then the new additions of Jason Pierre-Paul, Bo Allen, Vinnie Curry. They claimed Carl Nassib off of uh, off of waivers. You know, they still have Noah Spence, who really has to show something this year, or he may be shown the door. You have Quan mm-hmm. Alexander and Levante David being sent on blitzes. It's going to be on them to be able to contain the Saints so that it's just a manageable game for the Buccaneers offense. Let Peyton Barber run the ball, control the clock, keep Breeze on the sideline. He can't light you up. If he's not in the game now, that's not to say that the defense can't do some damage because the, again, the saints defense is very, very good. But when I look at, at the keys to the game, it has to be a staunch, difficult defense that gets pressure after breeze and contains Camara in addition to a solid, reliable running game, which I think Buccaneers fans are going to agree. It's a lot more reliable with Doug Martin gone than you know, it was last year with with him as the starter. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that you brought them up because when Tampa Bay has the ball when, and, and Tampa Bay is on the field and their offense is out there, those are two players. Well, there are two players that I'm looking at, uh, and Mike Evans is one. And then, of course, I mean, obviously you're watching for Mike Evans, but, uh, of course, Peyton Barber as well because the Saints consistently over the last few years, specifically since the Rob Ryan defense came in, uh, we had a lot of trouble – containing running backs, getting passes out of the backfield. But even uh, last year, if you look at the beginning of last year when Dennis Allen uh, you know, took over completely and was installing his system, at the beginning of last year with uh, New England, uh, with Minnesota, we had so much trouble maintaining uh, running backs, and particularly running backs that were able to catch out of the backfield. Even Rex Burkhead gave us a headache uh, at the beginning of last year. And then beyond that, you can look back to week 17 against against Tampa Bay. In Tampa Bay, we had a lot of trouble with tight ends. And we had a lot of trouble with running backs in particular. Uh, so that's something that I'm keeping an eye on, especially now that you have now that Tampa Bay has all of these multidimensional uh, running backs, including I don't, I, I don't know where y'all are, where Tampa Bay is on him, but even Ronald Jones out of USC, uh, once he gets to, you know, a place, he'll eventually be if he's able to get to a place, he'll eventually be a factor in that same kind of a system or in that same kind of playmaking ability as well as somebody that can catch out of the backfield. So I'm glad that you bring up Peyton Barber in particular. Because I got to tell you, I've been drafting all of my fantasy football teams. And every time that either I select Peyton Barber or someone else selects Peyton Barber, the first thing I think about is, oh, God, we got to see him week one. <laughs> because he's going to be <laughs> such I, – I really think that he's going to be one of those players that, at least for the beginning of the game, is going to give New Orleans a headache. Uh, and particularly with the style of defense that New Orleans has been playing since Dennis Allen installed the system – they use the entire first defensive drive as a means of diagnosing the game plan of the opposite team. And then they make adjustments from the second drive forward. And so that makes it just one of those things where when you're watching the first uh, drive of a game as, you know, as somebody who writes about the saints, talks about the saints or, and, or is a fan of the saints, you're kind of going, Oh my God, what are they doing? (laughs) Like They're just going through this sort of like bend don't break kind of mentality. Uh, and so it's it's always nerve wracking to watch, but then watching them make the adjustments afterwards, you sort of have a moment of you know you feel a little relieved out of that. But uh, but yeah, those are in particular though. Peyton Barber is somebody that I'm really keeping an eye on when uh, Tampa Bay's offense is on the field and how the uh, the New Orleans defense deals with him. Yeah, and that's definitely. I mean, Peyton 
like you said in fantasy drafts, I've got three fantasy teams. I've got Peyton Barber on all three of my fantasy teams. Yep. Um, how <laughs> bought in I am to Peyton Barber this year. And just looking into last season, I mean, Peyton Barber, you know, in the first game against the Saints, he, he didn't have quite the role and the, and the status on the team that he did at the end of the season, but he still averaged 3.1 yards per carry. And then there in week 17, uh, was able to rattle off 4.2 yards per carry. And in theory, right, this offensive line is improved and Peyton mm-hmm. Barber uh, is much improved. I mean, I, I went on record uh, just, I think, a week ago on the show saying I don't think I've ever seen a running back look so much better from one year to the next. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the way that he's running and, and the vision he's displayed. Uh, I mean, he's not really known to be uh, for being a shifty guy, but uh, he, he's made some moves and some cuts in the lanes and, and found some holes that, you know, it's just it's 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 impressive, and and like James said, you know, he falls forward. I think that's uh, we need to send this episode to the Madden guys because they don't seem to understand that Peyton Barber falls forward when he gets hit. Um, I'm saying, yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's going to be a big part, you know. And and I'm glad that that it got brought up, James, because as much as the secondary is going to be important and, and bottling up, you know, Michael Thomas as much as possible, and Alvin Kamara as much as possible, and of course Drew Brees. I think the running game is the key uh, to this game for Tampa Bay because. Like you said, keeping Drew Brees on the sideline, but at the same time, forcing the Saints to get a little bit less uh, multidimensional is going to be huge. And the more they can eat clock, the more they can score. That's the big thing. If if the Buccaneers, heaven forbid, uh, for the Saints fans, if the Buccaneers can get two scores up on the Saints, um, that's when things could, could get really interesting uh, in a heartbeat because um, with, with the receivers the Buccaneers have and with the, the, the running backs that they potentially have, right? they're all young guys and unproven for the most part, so we have to still see what we have. Um, the, the Buccaneers are definitely a team that are, are built to play ahead uh, more than more than maybe some are. Um, I know every team wants to play from ahead, so that's you know not saying right. much. But um, yeah, I think the running game more than anything is going to have the biggest impact when you're talking about the Buccaneers side of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll be watching for that. And then the other person I'm looking for a while Tampa Bay is on the field, like I had said earlier, is Mike Evans. Uh, I won't spend too long on this one because we know what happened with uh, Mike Evans. And well, I guess it wasn't really Mike Evans and Marshawn, Marshawn Lattimore. It was more Jameis Winston and Marshawn Lattimore. And then Mike Evans got involved. That's whole That whole moment seems to have not had any real sort of lingering effect on the, the Saints-Buccaneers uh, I won't, I'll say rivalry. I mean, division, division rivalry. Um, but I don't yeah, know that don't it's necessarily going to be. Oh, go ahead. It made for a pretty awkward post-game handshake in week 17. That was the, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> One of the more awkward ones we saw all season. Uh, but still that Marshawn Lattimore and Mike Evans matchup is going to be another one to where, uh, you know, the first time that we played, um, Marshawn Lattimore was able to hold Mike Evans to, I think it was only 13 yards. Uh, second time that they played not as, not as successful uh, as that, but you know, so it's, it, it'll be interesting to see what that third matchup becomes. Uh, and particularly with a different quarterback under center in Tampa Bay uh, during that first three, you know, during upcoming week one here. Yeah, I, I would say, that's definitely the an interesting matchup to watch because Marshawn Lattimore is a he's a phenomenal talent and he he does do a great job of really I wouldn't say eliminating a, a team's top target but he does do a great job of containing them and and somebody mm-hmm. that David and I talk about a lot on the Locked On Bucks podcast and and some of your your listeners will be somewhat familiar with because he had the game winning touchdown in that final week 
Chris Godwin, I think, is going to be the player to watch as far as the receivers are concerned on Sunday mm-hmm. because he's he's now getting the opportunity to start on the outside opposite of Mike. Uh, it sounds like they're going to do a lot of work with Deshaun Jackson out of the slot, you know, allow him to get those mismatches on on crossing routes and these these short slants, you know, get him lined up on a, on a linebacker or, you know, get get inside of a, of a slot corner real fast. But Chris Godwin has the size. He has the speed. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Matt Harmon. He does work for Yahoo and he uh, does work for the fantasy footballers. And, and he does this thing called reception perception where it takes a look at a receiver based on their skill set. It, it removes any quarterback that they have throwing to him completely out of the picture. So it, it wouldn't matter if it was, you know, Fitzpatrick or or Jameis or Ryan Griffin throwing him the ball, it it isolates the receiver's abilities. And Chris Godwin was his favorite receiver coming out of the draft last year. Like that's how highly he thought of him. That's how polished he was as a route runner because he utilizes the entire route tree and his contested catch percentage was over 90%. I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete and he's going to continue to grow now in his second year. So yeah, I look for Mike to have his catches. He's going to get his targets. He's going to, you know, make a play or two. He's going to, to get some first down uh, receptions, but really I think Chris Godwin is going to be the guy that Fitzpatrick is going to rely on in this game. He does have a good rapport with him from working with him uh, throughout training camps with the twos last year. And he, he kind of leaned on Godwin when Jameis went down last year and Fitzpatrick had to fill in for a few games. He he did like to look to Chris Godwin. So that's a name for, for Saints fans to watch out for because I think Chris Godwin's going to have a pretty big game. So, Ross, anything else that, that you want to touch on as far as you know key players for, for the Saints before we move on to our predictions and, and get out of here? Yeah, I think the one defensive player that I want to mention for New Orleans, I mean, we talked about a lot of the offensive firepower that the Saints have, uh, which is something that we're all very grateful for in New Orleans. But the other part of it that we're very grateful for is to see what happens uh, with Marcus Williams touching the football field again in regular season action and games that count. Um, throughout mm-hmm. training camp, he was totaled as having – he was uh, Nick Underhill noted that he had about seven interceptions during training camp and that he was all over the field – at all times. Uh, and he is a man on a mission uh, this year. And a lot of us are looking at him as a potential. I, I won't even say potential. I'll go out and I'll say as somebody that I favor to be uh, a Pro Bowl um, safety next year, which of course is more a popularity contest than it is anything else, but still Pro Bowl safety uh, going into uh, or coming out of the 2018 season. And I'm also looking to see if he lands first, second team all pro because he has a fire that's under him right now coming out of what ended up being what ended up being meaningless, but still the Minneapolis miracle and what that was uh, for Marcus Williams and what that was for the city of New Orleans and the city of Minnesota or the city of Minneapolis. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing him back in action regular season when it counts, because he also closed out last year against the Bucks with two interceptions in that week 17 game. So I'm looking to see mm-hmm. if he's able to sort of wreak the same kind of habit coming back with this new charge that's underneath him, moving him through the 2018 uh, season. Yeah, I, I like that pick a lot. And, and you know, full disclosure, I was a big fan of, of the way he handled that pass to Stefan Diggs in the postseason. Um, but, you know, so many so much of the focus goes on on Lattimore uh, in the Saints secondary that 
yeah, it, it will be interesting to see how how he handles the game and and how he's able to bounce back and and kind of you know for Saints fans, I'm sure they're hoping that he really starts off the season on the on the right foot. Buccaneers fans, we're going to hope that you know he whiffs a few more times, just like he he did in that that now infamous uh, Minnesota miracle uh, right. that sent the the Vikings to the NFC Championship. All right, well, gentlemen, uh, I I think we've gone past our time limit. We might get in a little bit of trouble. Hopefully not, because this has been a fun conversation. And Ross, like you said at the <laughs> beginning of the show, we get to do this a second time, so it's right. it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's go ahead and close things out. Ross, give us your score prediction. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I, I'm going to take the Saints, but I'm going to take them. Uh, I'm not going to take the the nine and a half. I'm going to go. I'm going to take this one a little bit closer. So I'm going to say that this one's going to be a uh, 21-17 contest. I think it's going to be more oh, of a wow. defensive struggle than people think. Yeah, no, I'm going low. I'm going low. Um, I, like I said, though, y'all need to reach out to my bookie. Don't come to me. Don't come to me for this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but uh, I'm just going 21-17. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's going to be a little bit closer than people expect. The Saints have a little bit of trouble on those opening week games. Uh, and if that continues, I think this one's going to be a little closer, um, a little bit closer than people are expecting. All right, David, how about you, brother? So I'm going 31, 24 bucks. And I, I swear to you, are you serious? I am. And I swear <laughs> to you that I planned on saying what I'm about to say before you just said what you said, Ross. I promise you that. I have no way of proving it, but I promise you. <laughs> the way the Buccaneers are going to get to 31 is a pass from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Chris Godwin, and he's going to beat your boy Williams on a double move because Chris Godwin also has underrated shiftiness in that of breaks, similar to our guy Michael Thomas. And I, I oh. swear I was going to bring that up, and you started in on the Williams tip, and it, it set me up perfectly, so I appreciate that. All right, all right. Well, and the reason that I said, are you serious, is because on my little piece of paper that I have next to me where I keep all my notes – I have written down 31 to 24 as well. So now I'm going to tweak it just a tad. No, great minds. Th- great minds. 31, 23 Saints. Oh, nice. So nice. Hurting <laughs> my soul. I know. I know. But hey, we're here to be honest. We're not here to be homers. So. Oh, I'm not. You did not just call me a homer, sir. <laughs> no, no. I'm using that as part of my defense. Because I truly believe that the Saints are going to win this game. And had I picked the Bucks, I would have been playing a homer card. And I'm not going to do that. I think this is a winnable game for the Buccaneers. But I don't think that they can get it done. I don't think they're going to go 0-3 with Fitzpatrick at the helm. I do believe they're going to win one of these first three. But I lean more towards the one out of these three being Philadelphia at home rather than the saints on the road. Um, So yeah, head over to my bookie, take the bucks with the points, but hammer the over hammer the over. Yeah, Yeah, definitely take those points. (laughs) Definitely take those points. No matter what. Yeah. Yeah. Take those points. And and it all boils down. Once again, if they can keep it manageable for Ryan Fitzpatrick, let Peyton Barber do his, his thing, they can stay in this game. And who knows, it could be 31 to 23 with the bucks marching down the field at the end of the game, trying to tie it up. And maybe there's just, you know, not that connection there, but I, I fully believe that, that we're going to see the saints leave week one with the win, but 
hey, we appreciate all of you listening. Make sure that you're checking out everything that's going on over with Ross at allsaintsconsidered.com. Make sure you're checking out everything that David and I are doing over at bucksnation.com. And make sure that you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at LockedOnSaints, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at Ross Jackson ASC, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. We would like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here at Crossover Spell.